words from the hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. If only you knew, if only you knew. The times you just have one line that you sing over and over and over, and it brings God's presence down better than any song. It's the amount of worship in you that draws God. It's good to have a repertoire of songs, but it's just one God needs create and shift atmospheres around you. That's why it's so important. Me, I just have music around me all the time. Car, anywhere, I have music. I have message. By the Spirit, it leads me to what I need to hear at the time. But you have to have a reservoir that you can tap into. Yesterday was very difficult for me. Very difficult. I almost couldn't make it here. But I am trying to walk by covenant with God. That be a person of your word. But yesterday, all that got me through yesterday was a song. It's Gloria Brimo's new album. There's a song there that is called Odumegu Judah. I don't understand what she's saying. But the song... I was dancing my, around, my way around. That's something like God answers prayer or something. If you are able, you will explain that. But I, I played that song. It was on auto repeat most of yesterday. And I was, at the end of the day, I was dancing. It was like victory. That's why I'm underscoring and taking the time emphasize what you have worship that seems just like singing is a powerful tool that can shift heavenlies can shift atmospheres can shift situations if you know how to access so don't trifle don't trifle it's your personal worship that matters not to worship they help you plug into because you live here and then all your problems will come upon you with weight but your ability to shift them is what matters. Just close your eyes. Open your heart. Oh, oh, oh. 
you for your presence. We thank you for your Shekinah glory. The glory that takes control of every atmosphere and causes it to walk, move like a river in the direction you want. May our lives, O oh God, be that river. May our lives chart the course that you want it to go. May we never go outside of your influence and your direction, O oh God. May we always, always flow in the direction you want us to go. May your name be glorified, O oh God. May you open up the atmosphere here this morning, O oh God. May I not bring words of man's wisdom, but a demonstration of your spirit and your power. We thank you for open hearts, O oh God. We thank you for a release of your spirit. We access those realms you want us to access. Nothing that you want to come down today will be missing. We bless your name, O oh God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. This morning, um, what I want to talk about, I titled it um, True Circumcision. And I've been reflecting in the last few weeks on certain things. Um, You know, the environment we live in today, not just in Nigeria, but across the world, is a very uncertain, it's a very uncertain time. At no time has technology been as prevalent as it is now, so that when you talk of the global village, even that's old school, the world is like seconds away, anywhere. You can post anything anywhere in the world, and it's viral in seconds. The influences we live under are more, they are weightier than ever before. But there's more confusion now than ever. Nobody just knows where, what, how. Every thing that seemed like a rock is very shaky. America that was the bastion of democracy and superpower just be like, anyhow, it's not a soap opera. <laughs> Every day we, we tune in to watch today's episode. <laughs> it's almost like a joke. But it's so crucial that you understand how to live in times like this. And what, what, was, what struck me was life today is just like quicksand. It's so fluid that you can step in a direction and just vanish. Everything is just fluid. And what is important at times like that is to have an anchor that keeps you steady, even in the midst of confusion. And the only anchor, the only sure anchor is God. And so for me, it's, there's a heightened understanding that at this point, more than ever in my life, I need to have that anchor operating full power. 
Because you will face situations and circumstances, not me, will, on a daily basis that can floor you and throw you off. All of us look gaily dressed, everybody's, but if I check everybody's heart, there are things we are struggling with that literally can cause us to disappear. And it's only God that keeps us through those times and seasons. And I came across a scripture that really set me thinking, and for the last couple of weeks, that's really been what I've been meditating on. I can't seem to get away from it. If I, what I'm going to share here, I shared in Abuja last Sunday, but I can't get away from it. There's a posture of the people of this time and this generation that God requires. So we talk of an end time army. You know, we've always felt the end time is years away. End time is now. We are end time. So there's no time. What is really prevalent in my mind is that you need to prepare for the end time. But the end time is upon you. So you need to be prepared. So if you are not prepared, you need to redress and just quickly align. Because things will come that will floor you and leave you broken and wasted. I'll take off with uh, Romans chapter 2, verse 29. And please, if you have the NLT version, that's the version I want to use for this scripture. But I'll be switching through different versions. Romans 2, verse 29. It says, no, the NLT version. You don't have it. Oh, okay. Let me read it because for me it's a very instructive version. It says, No, a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God. And true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law. Rather, it's a change of heart produced by the Spirit. And a person with a changed heart seeks praise from God, not from people. I'll read it again so it sinks in. It says, no, a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God. And true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law. Rather, it's a change of heart produced by the Spirit. And a person with a changed heart seeks praise from God, not from people. And so, at times like this, it's your consecration that matters the circumstances do not matter because it doesn't take God two seconds to shift your whole trajectory it doesn't take him time in the time of Elijah and second Kings Elisha he says there was a famine in the land that was so severe that people started eating their children to survive the cost of bread was like in Zimbabwe. You need a wheelbarrow of money to buy a, a slice of bread. Everything was scarce. But by the inspiration of the Spirit of God, Elisha made a declaration 
says by this time tomorrow a cost of bread will be pretty cheap it will be next to nothing and it seemed like it was impossible but it came to pass your circumstances do not matter your situation does not matter what matters is your level of consecration to God because your ability to access his word and his heart is what shifts the situations. So the Bible says that Moses understood the ways of God, but the children of Israel only understood his acts. So they could only operate on what he did. But Moses knew his ways which control his acts, and he could cause things to shift. And that's where we should be. Circumcision. It set me on going to do a study of circumcision. We know what circumcision is, right? We know. Hello. We know. What is circumcision? First king, okay. Let's go to Genesis 17. I want to pull a few things out so that we understand because it is our circumcision. So you would say, ladies would say it's for men now, so... <laughs> But circumcision is what God, how God relates to us, and that defines our walk with Him. Genesis 17. I will quickly read the first 14 verses very quickly. It says, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. At this, Abraham fell face down on the ground. And then God said to him, this is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I am changing your name. It will no longer be Abraham, which means exalted father or high father. Instead, you will be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations, and kings will be among them. I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. This is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And I will give the entire land of Canaan, where you now live as a foreigner to you and your descendants. It will be their possession forever, and I will be their God. Then God said to Abraham, your responsibility is to obey the terms of the covenant. You and all your descendants have this continual responsibility. This is the covenant that you and your descendants must keep. Each male among you must be circumcised. You must cut off the flesh of your foreskin as a sign of the covenant between me and you. From generation to generation, every male child must be circumcised on the eighth day after his birth. This applies not only to members of your family, but also to the servants born in your household and the foreign-born servants whom you have purchased. All must be circumcised. Your bodies will bear the mark of my everlasting covenant. Any male who fails to be circumcised will be cut off from the covenant family, 
for breaking the covenant. So circumcision speaks of the covenant that God has with us. Yes, he cut it with Abraham, but God has a covenant with every single one of us. And from this narrative, I pick a few things. One, the covenant, or it says the result, how did he put it in this version? Um, I will confirm this covenant. It was going to be confirmed in not just wealth and possessions, but in territory, in influence, and in impact. That was going to be the fruit of the covenant. But God said, you must obey. Your responsibility is to obey the terms of the covenant. A covenant is a contract between two people that has terms. And it's the ability of both parties to fulfill the terms of the covenant for the covenant to be in execution. God spells his part and spells our part. The challenge for many of us is we don't either understand the covenant we have with God or the weight of the covenant and our part. God is faithful and will fulfill his part any day. The challenge is always us. Yes, we're human and we're prone to error. But you can only fulfill the covenant when you go back to God to give you the strength and the grace to do that. But he demands the fulfillment of the covenant for it to operate. So it is one of impact, of influence, of wealth. It is also a covenant that is eternal, everlasting, multi-generational. Because he says your descendants after you from generation to generation will be the ones who um, enjoy the, the fruits of the covenant. This covenant required a change of name for Abraham because the result and fruit had to be described and the name he had at the time which was just exalted father of one or a small family needed to be changed to reflect the import of the fullness of that, that, that covenant, which was he will be the father of many nations. He says there will be kings among them. They will occupy, take over. So there had to be a name change. Just the same way that with Jacob, when, he's, when the Lord blessed him, his name needed to be changed to Israel one that had power with man and with God. So that I hope you're examining your life as I'm speaking. Because the question I will ask you at the end of this is, what is the covenant you have with God? And then, the mark of this covenant or the symbol of the covenant was in the act of circumcision. It said, every male among you, 
there must be a cutting off of the foreskin. And failure to do that was equivalent to disobeying the covenant. The implication is that every benefit and fruit of that covenant will not be present in your life. But it's important to understand that the symbol is not the covenant. And I'll use Samson to explain that. Samson's consecration was that God would be with him by his spirit. But he was not. There were certain things he was to stay away from. His mom, while he was in the womb, was not to drink any alcohol. And by implication, he too was not to drink alcohol. He was to stay away from women. And he was not to cut, he was not to cut his hair. They say the locks of his hair. Now, when he told Delilah his secret and they cut his hair, he lost his strength, right? So you would equate the hair to the covenant. No. What was cut was the covenant. The hair was a symbol of the covenant. So sometimes we get wrapped in the symbols or the marks of the covenant that we lose sight of what really is the covenant. It wasn't the hair that was the issue. It was the fact that he allowed the hair to be cut. That broke the covenant with God. And that's why he didn't know when the spirit had left him. It's a very subtle thing that many of us are running foul of that our covenant with God is a disaster when you don't even know the covenant. But when you know it and you're not walking by it, it's a bigger tragedy. If you didn't know, at least you can claim ignorance. Although they say ignorance is not an excuse in the law. <laughs> but when you know and you fail to fulfill the responsibility that has been put on you, then it's a bigger disaster. And I was checking through a few scriptures because you would say that because God had said when you're circumcised, then you are part of the covenant. And if you are not circumcised, you are not part of it. <laughs> I came across one scripture that really blew my mind. In Romans 4. I'll read it from verse 9 to 12. It says, now, and it was speaking of our blessing upon Abraham. Now, is, the blessing, is this blessing only for the Jews or is it also for uncircumcised Gentiles? He says, well, we have been saying that Abraham was counted as righteous by God because of his faith. He says, but how did this happen? Was he counted as righteous only after he was circumcised or was it before he was circumcised? What's the answer? It was before. So he got something without being circumcised. He says, clearly, God accepted Abraham before he was circumcised. And it says circumcision was a sign that Abraham already had faith 
and that God had already accepted him and declared him to be righteous even before he was circumcised. So Abraham is the spiritual father of those who have faith but have not been circumcised. They are counted as righteous because of their faith. And Abraham is also the spiritual father of those who have been circumcised. But only if they have the same kind of faith Abraham had before he was circumcised. So that tells me that you can be circumcised and not be part of circumcision. It also tells me you can be uncircumcised and be part of circumcision in the mind of God. So it's mostly Christians who obey circumcision. Muslims mostly don't. Or some religions don't. Now, you will think that makes you favored of God. It's your relationship with him that matters, not whether you say you're a Christian or a Muslim. Does that mean that some Muslims, if they convert to Christianity and refuse to circumcise, are not part of it? I was reading Acts 15. It says, when Paul and Barnabas were in Antioch teaching, some came from Jerusalem and were teaching that if you are not circumcised, you cannot be saved. And they said, no. You can be. And it caused a whole load of trouble that they had to go back to the council in Jerusalem to intervene. And Peter stood up and said, when I preached to the Gentiles, when he went to Cornelius' house, Cornelius was uncircumcised. But the Spirit of God was speaking to him. He says, your acts of worship have come up as a memorial. Send for Peter and he will come. And he says, as Peter was speaking to them, the Spirit came down, just like he did with them. And they began to speak in tongues. They were not saved. They were uncircumcised. It's not about the symbol you have. From the time God enacted it, it wasn't about the symbol. It was about the heart of the covenant. That's why it's so important we understand circumcision. I'm just abridging a lot. So I'm mentioning scriptures. Please go check yourself. So, when God enacted circumcision in Genesis, the organ that was circumcised is the male reproductive organ, right? In the covenant we live under now, the organ involved is the heart. In the same way that you cut off the foreskin off the male organ, there's also got to be a cutting off of the foreskin of our hearts. At salvation, at the point of salvation, there is a level of circumcision that allows the Spirit of God to connect with your spirit and revive. It's like scabs or when you have a, 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 a wound that there's a scar. They call them scabs. If you have to dress the wound or reach out to, if, if you have some wound that is deep, and then the skin closes over it and it doesn't heal inside, they're going to have to open up that wound to really address it. And then it heals properly. That's scab. Our hearts are like that. 
there's a need to cut off and remove the foreskin for us to really connect. Now, the heart, too, is a reproductive organ. Because Proverbs 4 says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. One version says the wellsprings of life. That means everything about your life emanates from that heart. Your physical heart, its function is to pump blood to every part of the body. Even the brain, which we think is the most important part. If the heart is not pumping, the brain will be starved and just going to atrophy and you're gone. Because the brain, blood contains oxygen that is needed for your body to function. So if you take out the heart from a human being, if you take out the brain, they can survive a bit, you can keep them up. The heart, you're gone. It's just a few seconds, you're gone. It's a vital part. And that was what God was looking at. So even in the Old Testament, where he was talking about circumcise your, your, your male organ, his eye was on the heart. Let me prove it. Go to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 30. Verse 6 says, And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. It was always God's intention that it's your heart that will be circumcised. This scripture tells me your ability to serve God with everything is dependent on your circumcision. And only he can help you. So again, I go back to what I said about the terms of the covenant. God will always fulfill his terms. But we are unable to, in our natural mind, to fulfill the terms of the covenant. That's why you have to go back to him to help. If you go back to Romans 2, there's a principle with a text. When you read a text, there's a context in which it's used. And your ability to fully understand that context is dependent on you looking at the pretext. That's the text before. So many times we quote scriptures, many times wrongly, because we quote them in isolation. You can't operate in the scripture outside of what is in God's mind. And when you understand and you've read the pretext, you begin to understand what he was thinking about when he put it there. So there's the law of the first mention. So if you look at a word, you go back to where it was first mentioned, then you understand the context in which it was used. And that's what you apply in your life. Don't just pick what you like. The truth is, with the script Bible, you can interpret anything you like. But the problem is, you might be interpreting what God did not intend. He can allow you to a point, but after a while, you crash and burn. It's so crucial because the word of God contains all that is needed and the power that you need to establish anything. And if you understand what was in God's mind and tap into it, every word you declare has the power in it to change situations. I read verse 29 earlier, but I'm going to start from 25. 
It says the Jewish ceremony of circumcision has value only if you obey God's law. But if you don't obey God's law, you are no better off than an uncircumcised Gentile. So the danger, I repeat, is that because you feel you are under circumcision, you are okay. It's not true. It says it only operates if you obey the law, which is fulfill your part. When you don't, it says you are no better than one who is not circumcised. And if the Gentiles obey God's law, wouldn't God declare them to be his own people? In fact, uncircumcised Gentiles who keep God's law will condemn you Jews who are circumcised and possess God's law but don't obey it. For you are not a true Jew just because you are born of Jewish parents or because you have gone through the ceremony of circumcision. It says, no, that's the scripture I read earlier. It says, a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God. And true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law. Rather, it is a change of heart produced by the Spirit. And a person with a changed heart seeks praise from God not from people. Do you understand the context now? A true Jew is not one who was born in Judah. Is one whose heart is right with God. That's why the uncircumcised can come into the fold and reap the benefits of circumcision. Because circumcision is of the heart. Many of us came to Christ because there were issues we were going through. Health issues, financial issues, heartbreak issues. And you got comfort from God and a solution. And that just opened up goodness of God to you and you accepted him as your Lord and Savior but the tendency with humans is when that situation goes so if you have if you were heartbroken you had a broken engagement the guy dumped you at the altar and the embarrassment was too much you were in a place where you were depressed suicidal and you found God in that time and someone a knight in shining armor came and carried you up in his arms and the solution was done. You would bless God, thanksgiving. Two, three years down the line, when real life sets in, <laughs> you won't be as committed. What matters is your consecration story. I remember the day I gave my life. I know the date, April 18th, 1994. I remember who preached the message that day, late Justice Abel Tari. But I don't know what he talked about. I can't remember anything. But one thing touched me that day. Up until then, 
always had a healthy respect for anyone who was righteous, in quotes, who was spiritual. I thought I couldn't be like that. So I respected them. I was an Anglican. The priests will come out in their robes, their vestments, and when they come, everything is holy. And I'm like, oh, I just had so much respect for them. But I never, I never imagined I could. So when you talked about salvation, I didn't think I deserved it. I didn't think I could come under it. That was my mindset. But I began to lose hope when the priest, after the service or con whether it's a dedication or whatever, we all go to the party and plus us, they will drink beer. So <laughs> I have to think this thing, <laughs> there's problem here. <laughs> I began to lose the respect. <laughs> but that day, there's only one thing that man said that really, it, it was like, it hit me in the gut. He said, God does not expect you to come perfect. He wants you to come as you are, and then he will make you perfect. That thing gave me, you know, water to a thirsty soul. It's so, it's so, I didn't know when I was out there. I, just, I don't know. I, me, I cannot. I, I didn't know when I was there because it so released me. And so that's the foundation of my consecration to God. I am far from perfect. I don't struggle to try and be perfect. I just try and follow God because my revelation of him is sovereign. That in my, in my ability, I can never be perfect. It has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with him and my ability to trust him. And so that defines my relationship with God. It's different from you had a problem and he solved it. Because once that problem disappears, your consecration becomes shaky. That's why I'm saying that we need to step back and review our circumcision. Because if you don't, Things will happen. I, I said when I started that we live in a very fast-paced world that is like quicksand. Things will happen that will buffet you from every side and you will fall. You will you just be consumed by them. You know, God has a sense of humor. He uses situations to really underscore what he wants to say. I said last, I shared this last Sunday in Abuja, and I, I, I couldn't get away from it, and I felt this is all I can, this is all I can, I can talk about. But what happened yesterday really underscored it, because God will use things to really make it clear to you. I said I'm, I will ask everyone, what's your covenant? I don't ask you to answer me, but I want you to set your heart. In all I've said, what's your covenant with God? What is your circumcision? What type of circumcision do you have? If you don't know your circumcision, it's, it's good to be very honest with yourself and with God. You can deceive everybody. You can't deceive yourself. You can't deceive God. And you live with what you believe in. So it's important that you strip yourself of every form of vanity and forming and just be open before God. If you don't know it, ask him. James says, if any of you lacks knowledge or wisdom, 
Let him ask of the Lord. He gives liberally without upbraiding. There's nothing to be ashamed of. But what kind of covenant do you have with God? What kind of circumcision have you had? If you haven't, you need to repair that. Yesterday, one of my colleagues in Abuja, and that's why I was saying I might not have made it because I just wanted to go to Abuja. They lost their 12-year-old daughter. He woke me at 3 a.m. They had to rush her to hospital. By 6, she didn't make it. He was so broken. The wife, she was in intensive care. He was with her. The wife had gone to try and sleep downstairs. He says, how will I tell her? They have five children, but, you know, it's not number. If you've ever lost a child, even if it's a baby, <laughs> you will understand. It so broke me. I just wanted to go to Abuja. But like I said, I'm trying to be a man of my word. What it did for me, that's why I'm saying things happen from nowhere. That family is thrown into a major upheaval. The wife is a mess. Every time I speak with her, she's like, why? She came into my room just before. Then they found her choking. And that was it. It's painful. So painful. But through it, God is God. That's why I say your consecration matters. It matters. What didn't I pray? In fact, when he told me, I said, Lord, I began to declare, Talita Kumi. That's what the Spirit laid on my heart, which means damsel arise. The woman, that, the, the damsel that Jesus raised. That's what I was declaring when I was praying. I was meant to go for a vigil. I went for the um, POI program, got back, and I was to get up at 1, 12 and go. But I couldn't just get up. I had had a rough night the night before, so I passed out. I got up at 2. I thought, this is not the time to go for vigil. So it was God that made me stay. Because when they called me, that's all I could do, pray. Even after all that, I was so, I was weak. I said, God, what didn't we, we have prayed, we have done this, we have done that. But God is sovereign. That's why I discovered that Gloria Brimer song. By, I was, by the end of the day, I was dancing. Because in all of these things, these things will happen to you. I'm not, I'm not swearing for you, but these things happen. Things that are beyond you come upon you. You can pray and bind and cast and loose. They will happen because you have no control. Case in point, Job. Job is my model of how you should be a Christian. Job was so, he, he, he looked foul. He says his children, when they were doing party, he would sacrifice in case they blaspheme. In case. He's not even leaving anything to chance. He said, I've made a covenant with my eyes not to look on a maiden. No, he was that set. But yet, what happened to him? All of the problems put together 
don't match up to what happened to Job. And his problem was because God was boasting with him. No, it's true. Because you are there minding your own, doing everything. If he was privy to that conversation, he would say, God, why do they do me like this now? <laughs> eh? If I be you, I'm not going to do like this now. <laughs> your consecration is so crucial. So crucial. That's why we cannot afford to mess around now more than ever. I'm saying the influence is around us. The world is so, it's, the world is an oyster, as they say. Everything is so, you know, everybody wants to blow, hammer, baby, do all kinds of things. <laughs> what will get you through is your covenant with God. If you don't have, you're a sitting duck. The enemy will take you out so fast, you won't even know what hit you. That everything is working is no guarantee whatsoever. Paul said, I've learned to abase and abound. Whether he's thriving, he functions well. Whether he's in lack, he functions well. When I was coming back from Abuja last week, I met the, the, the taxi, the airport taxi that carried me. The guy happens to be a pastor of a church there in Lugbe area. And we're just talking. Um, when I checked the number, you know, after call, I said, should Pastor Peter. So I said, mm, okay. Um, we were just talking and talking about the country and all that. And uh, I said, I'm not too worried about what's happening because I know that God has done what he needs to do. I said, I'm very clear in my mind that the angelic host that needs to be on ground is fully on ground. The issue is not whether God is going to do. The issue is whether we connect with what he wants to do. And when he will do it when we arise. Because he constrains himself to the prayers of the saints. So when we act well, he moves. When, he doesn't act, when we don't act well, he just stays and waits for us. So everything is in our hands. So he was like, ah, that's, he has a church. He just does this to be able to cook. I said, ah, that's like Paul, tent maker. Because he was telling me that he pays for the apron pass that passes the toll gate. It costs 40000 He's a taxi driver. He pays that. So it's this, they have these airport taxis that are connected to the, them and the airport. So when you're, they, you come into Abuja, you take the car, you pay 5K, and then you are guaranteed a free ride back. All you do is pay the, the, the toll at the gate when you're going back. So he was telling me that this is what he does, so at least he puts the, the monies that he collects for the pay off that. But the challenge is putting the 40K together. I said, you're a wise man. God gave you that kind of wisdom. Because I said, the truth is, that 40K, you recover it in less than six months. And all the others are thinking, ah, it's too much money to put down. But he's thinking. You know, that's why the Spirit of God is so... Don't think it's only for intelligent people, as in people who are hammered. It's for everybody. And I said to him, because of this thing you are doing, that you are doing this taxi to do this, God will open up doors for you. He will cause things to come your way. That Paul was not concerned about he didn't need to eat a three-star meal every uh, three-course meal every day. He just needed to eat. So he was not concerned whether he was eating in four points 
I was eating Yarisi or I was eating Bali. It didn't matter to him. The issue was it. He learned to abase and abound. Many of us, once we get into a level of comfort, you bind poverty. I will never, I can never. And you do everything in your power. To, you know, there are situations in your life where, whether you like it or not, you know, during the Civil War, even if you had money, people were eating lizard, drinking gutter water, because there's nothing. If you like, have money, you can't do anything with the money. Situations come upon you that are beyond your capacity. And that's why it's important to have covenant. Because that's what carries you through. That's where God can bring a raven, a stingy animal, to bring bread to you in the midst of a famine. He causes a brook to run for you. When you understand covenant, you understand Isaiah 43, where God says, you are precious in my sight. And because of that, I will give men and nations as a ransom for you. That is covenant. But you must understand. My question to you again. What's your covenant? What circumcision have you gone through? Daniel says in 11.32 that it's those that know their God that are strong and do exploits. As we pray this morning, I want you to if you don't know your covenant, ask God. Ask of him that he reveals to you. Because your ability to function is dependent on your walking in the right path. One aspect of my covenant with God is one gift that God gives me or has given me that I don't even think about. I just walk in it. Is a gift of encouraging. Early in a marriage, my wife would named me Counselor Balogun because <laughs> I, I, you just come and have. A, I'll just be talking. I just talk, talk, talk. I can just talk, and I'll talk sense. <laughs> I'm not just talking. I will talk, and it, it was so bad that. I come home, I'm so tired, I want to sleep. I'm just dropping. And then someone just calls, don't problem. I talk two hours. Don't be talking. <laughs> I learned that God has gifted me with the ability to give hope to people. You come burdened, you leave light. And I understood, you see, for me, when I talk about the terms of the covenant and the fruit of the covenant, I understand it so well. For a season of maybe five, six years, I never once bought one shirt or one suit. I, I sat down and thought about it. That every time I think I need a shirt, someone gives me a shirt. When I need a suit, I, I didn't buy, I didn't know my size for suit. I didn't know it, but I had suits. You know, those days, you, need more than, you didn't need more than two now. Not that I had plenty of suits now. So how far? I just had suits to wear. I, know I used to wear suits every day, but I needed a suit. I had a suit. They were all given to me. I sat down one day and I, now I realized that it is my ability to stay in the place of what God expects of me, which is to encourage people that gave me 
it was it was so insightful that this thing is not because you are just favored for the sake it is because you keep to the terms of our covenant that i bless you and so my covenant with god with time is refined is that no one comes my way and lives the same way that i must impact so in the workspace more it's not in church so it's not about canceling it's even in the workspace that you can't come around me and it's without effort but when i find that i'm struggling i step back and check have i been doing what i'm meant to do early in my career when i would get a new job i would take time off to pray and ask god what is it you want me to do in this place because i was very clear in my mind that Yes, they engage me and they have a job description for me, but that God has one for me in that role. And I need to take time out and understand it. Because even if I deviate from what they want of me, if I am walking in line with what God wants, he causes situations to work for me. So I was very clear about those things. And I found that that's, when I'm faithful in that, everything works. I'm trying to break it down practically for you. The covenant is not any very holy thing. It's in the things, the everyday things. There's something God has called every single person to. You are unique. Even if you have a twin, you are as unique as they come. You might be identical to a fault. You are different. God gives each one something. Understand your covenant and come back to God. And begin to walk in it. Because the things he's called you to do and to be. Your situations will hold you back. Deviate you from that path. But it's your ability to be tenacious in that area. He gives you grace. But when you don't know. Or you allow your circumstances to toss you around. You will never achieve what you are meant to. Lay your hand on your heart. It's a, it's a very personal moment. It's you and God. So I would advise you close your eyes and forget who is around you. The heart, it says out of your heart flows issues of life. It's a wellspring of life. Come back to God. I feel such a burden. Some hearts here are so burdened. The level of water here is so, is what is available can over, overwhelm you. It says in Ezekiel 47 that stepped into the water. At one point, the water was ankle level. Took a few more steps. It came to knee level. It took even more steps, it came to the waist level. It took a few more steps, it came to chest level. A few more steps, and the water was too deep to stand in. You have to take those steps. No one can take them for you. Take those steps. Step into God.
step into the place of covenant afresh. Open your heart to him. I feel such a gentle wave of his presence. It's like he wants to embrace you. He wants to wipe away those hurts, those pains. He wants to release you today. He wants to break those cycles that have held you back. The enemy will always try and convolute things around you that take your attention of what you need to do. This is a time to steal those voices. Lord, we open our hearts to you. We come back to the place of covenant, the place of consecration, the place of renewal and revival. Open our eyes as we open our hearts, O oh God. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never will come to an end. They are new every morning. New every morning, great is thy faithfulness, O Lord, great is thy faithfulness, they are new, they are new every morning. New every morning, and great is thy faithfulness, O Lord. Great is thy I live for you, Lord. I live 
breath, every breath that I take, every moment I'm away, every moment I'm away. Lord, have your way, oh, have your way, Lord. Lord, have your way. Lord, I give you. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you, Lord. And I live for you, Lord. Every breath, every breath that I take, every moment I'm away. Lord, have your way in me. This is a time to recommit to God. It's a time to renew your covenant with Him. It's a time where if you're not even sure of that covenant, to just ask for Him to cut it afresh with you. No one can do this for you. You have to do it for him, for yourself. Renew your heart. Renew your mind. His spirit is so... He says, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. If you will receive me, I will come in. Only you determine which way it goes. says you are the vine and we are the branches apart from you we can do and be nothing our connection to you is what keeps us oh God we want to reconnect afresh oh God we come back to you we come back oh God feel 
Hebrews 12 says that should take heed that a root of bitterness doesn't that bitterness doesn't take root in you that you become defiled you might be walking in covenant with God but there are things that block you from him they're so subtle but they're so damaging it's not only sin that keeps you away from God. It says the root of bitterness defiles. Unforgiveness defiles. It blocks you from God. If you're struggling in that area, please come. Let's pray. I just feel God wants to release. He just wants to release hearts. Shadaba Utabriandesa Zute Pragade Kapojahaya Katua Brandus Kabaliba Hata Yanama Zenteleboskiba Tare Taro Taroba Ziba Hata Shates Koboto Briandos Kambatayanamahaze Libata Brandemaho Zabotamia Gentegeleboko Sikabata Place your hands on your hearts Turabutamia Hashe Karande Kabozaho Tabozahanda Kalia Bantele Brondos Kobozia. I feel weights, I feel weights. Mataya Kuzai Marita Bonzahantaya. There are bands that need to that are like around your chest, bands that make you short of breath. Kabota Mehezutam Brahanda Yalus. Loose those bands, oh God. Mate Kabe Handa Huza. Brata Yelemo Shingatalaba. Mutamia Suta. Breki Gunta Labaha. Arede Soto Brunda. Mashate Lekembaha. Manta Lebahata. Marandos Kabo Zahutami. Zate Keprondos Kuba. Jaleka Yelahuta. Ekelemahata. Rabato Maha. Ente Brahandos. Uskabahatea. Reke Mato Brandos Kabai. Mala. Oroto Bakubakati. Maseproto Punta. Apretaha. Zate Makate Maha. Andos. Loose them. Loose them. Loose them. Ande Cabrade. Shabroskoto. Makumbaha. Malakotoria Bazo. Aikabaha. Mate. Isutobrina Buzaha. Mate Brahande. Makoro Subraha. Nantelebohoso. E proto soto proto. Bakibaha. Randa Sutabaha. Malika Bozotobriandos. E Sutalabakase. Make Brahan. Mahande. Saruskaba. E Sotobrokuzaha. Ere Toruma Suta. Makalema Kataila Basa. E Sotoproto Sotua. Ipposotobokutuma Kazabate. E Kebozotobuka. Makatele. Aranda. Are. Shara Sota Kabrahande. Mande Kesoto Brigadoshka. Are Kasayalahata. Nendere Zanda Brohontos Kobotomia Haze. Radushka Bahata. Lende Soto Kobrianda Sata. Mante Keleboko Zikatala Bahata. Redesh Kabozaha, Brontos Kobozimahata, Rande Sharoba Zuta Brenda Hoska, Ali Kabahata Yanamahase, Mendos Kabotari Yamahade Kaza, Elena Zontoko Briandesh Kabotami Azenta Kalabahata. Father, I thank you because you are faithful. You say we should learn to walk not by sight but by faith. 
It's the foolish things of God that confound man's wisdom. Only you know the burdens we carry, Lord. You know the depths. We present smiling faces. Everything seems to be working. But deep down, you see our tears. You hear our heart cry. You know how deep it hurts. The craters we fall into that are very difficult to come out of. Only you can pull us out. I thank you for your daughter, oh God. It says, when Paul and Silas at midnight praised and brought worship to you, he says, there was a shaking. An earthquake shook the foundations of the prison and opened the doors. So, Lord, I thank you because that is what is happening for her and anyone else who is here. By your spirit, you're breaking open those doors. You're liberating their souls and their hearts. They're bringing them out into a place of fruitfulness, a breath of fresh air. Psalm 66 says, you caused men to ride upon our heads and put us in subjection. But it says in verse 12 that you brought us to a broad, moist, expansive, and wealthy place. I speak over how, God, you're bringing her into that place, oh God. Every darkness, every hole that has held her back is broken. Those bands around her are broken. Every chain upon her is broken, oh God. I declare liberty upon her. And everyone else, oh God, who is struggling in one way or the other, I speak a word of liberty in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from the Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org. 